our Home for Christmas series now, we come to the town of Nazareth. From Bethlehem to Egypt to Nazareth. And the scripture says they return to the land of Israel. Do you know it's the only time in the New Testament the land of Israel, the term, is used. It's used to refer to the geography of Israel. Perhaps when you are a captive in Egypt, a refuge in Egypt, maybe when you see it from a foreign land, you romanticize the land which you came from, the land of Israel. Most people do, you know. I'll Be Home for Christmas was written in 1943. Bing Crosby, Danny, some say he was our distant cousin. You know that, right? He sang, I'll Be Home for Christmas. It was written for the troops who were in those foreign lands. I'll be home for Christmas if only in my dreams. And sometimes I would imagine Mary and Joseph thought about the land of Israel the familiar trails, the mountains they enjoyed, the sunsets peculiar to that land. And sometimes Joseph thought, I would like to stand again on the brow of the hill of my homeland and see the unique orange and red and yellow of a sunset in the land of Israel. I'd like again to see the flocks on the hillside, the crops in the valley. I'd like to hear again my native language when I go to the market and the greetings in my native tongue and experience again the culture of the land of Israel, my homeland. It would be typical. If Mary and Joseph had those thoughts about the land of Israel, for they were in Egypt, a foreign land, there is identity in Nazareth. Not in Bethlehem, no. Joseph and Mary went there because Joseph was of the house and lineage of David. And they stayed there because they knew they had in their arms the promised child. But people in Bethlehem did not know them. There was no room in the inn when they arrived, no extended family to take them into their arms. They had their baby in a stable in Bethlehem. And sometime later, when they were driven from Bethlehem to go to Egypt, there indeed they were in a strange land where the customs were not their own, the language was not their own. They lived in a bubble, I am sure, of a Jewish community but they were surrounded by strangers, and even the Jews in that place did not know who they were or where they were from. They made friends, I am sure, but it was not their homeland. But they have identity in Nazareth. They wanted to take baby Jesus back to Bethlehem, back to the greater Jerusalem area, back to Judea, back to the center of learning, education, and religion for the land of Israel, but they couldn't go there. They intended to go there. They wanted to go there, but Archelaus reigned in Judea. They were fearful that he might be like his father Herod and seek to kill the child. So they decided they would go back to Nazareth where everybody knew their name. 
I'm sure when Joseph and Mary finally walked into Nazareth, somebody said, Joseph, it's been years since we've seen you. And it had been. But Nazareth is the place they left to go to Bethlehem. And Luke calls Nazareth their own town. It's where they were from. Mary and Joseph are known here. Their extended family is here. They have friends in Nazareth. People know who they are. Sometimes you enjoy the anonymity of the city. Though New Orleans is not as anonymous as you probably think, it's a small big city, isn't it? You run into people that you know, but sometimes people like the anonymity of the city. But then there's times when you want to go somewhere, like the song says, that everybody knows your name. And that's Nazareth. When they show up in Nazareth, they are truly home. Now, Jesus is going to be identified as Jesus of Nazareth, distinguishing him from all the other boys named Jesus, which is a Jewish form of the Old Testament Joshua. So Joshua was a regular name in Israel. So he is Jesus of Nazareth. Do you know in the Koran, Christians are known as the Nazareth. Did you know that? That's the identity. And sometimes the Christian faith was called the way of the Nazarene. And the lawyer that argued the case against Paul in Caesarea Maritima said of Paul that he was part of the sect of the Nazarenes. See, Nazareth is where Jesus became identified. Luke says that he grew in stature and in wisdom and in favor with God and man. And you say, where did this happen? It happened in Nazareth. That's where he grew up. The humanity of Jesus is highlighted in that he is from Nazareth. That's his hometown. When he taught, love your neighbors, you love yourself, maybe he thought of Bill and Sally who lived next door in the little town of Nazareth. And love your neighbor became concrete for Jesus in Nazareth. When the scripture says he was tempted in all points like we are, yet without sin, most of that temptation happened in those long years where he walked the streets of Nazareth developing maturity from boy to man. When the scripture says that he was fully prepared to be our wonderful high priest because he went through all the things we go through, mostly it was Nazareth where he went through all those things that humans experience. So it is the humanity of Jesus that is highlighted in Nazareth. He is fully man. 
He is not merely man, for we know him to be fully God. He is fully man and fully God. That's the orthodox teaching of our faith. It is the teaching of the Word of God, fully human in every way. Don't be afraid of the humanity of Jesus. It is highlighted in that he is a Nazarene. We know his hometown. We identify with him. We are the sect of the Nazarenes. We believe God became man in Jesus of Nazareth. We believe this unusual truth that God pursued us in his love, a love far beyond our ability to conceive, and sent his son to save us. He became flesh in Nazareth in a man called Jesus. We are distinguished from all the world religions in this peculiar belief that we were beyond our own remedies, intellectually, theologically, philosophically. We could not make our own way. We could not save ourselves. We could not say to another person, here, I found this way. Take this. Believe this. Take these 12 principles. We were broken inside, irreparably broken. And God loved us beyond our imagination and sent his son to save us. He became a man in Nazareth. This is not us reaching up to God. It is the creator God coming down to us. This is what happened in Nazareth. It is a beautiful, peculiar truth held only by Christians. Others pursue God and their philosophies their laws and their culture. But we believe God has pursued us and what we must do is receive the gift of God which is Jesus of Nazareth. There is identity in Nazareth. There is predictability in Nazareth. Bethlehem was an unpredictable journey. They did not know what they would find. They made no reservations at the Hilton. They ended up in a pasture giving birth to the Son of God. Bethlehem was an adventure. It was a place to go. It was the city of David. It was the roots of Joseph. Egypt was another great adventure. Though they left Persecuted in the middle of the night. It was trouble, yes indeed, but as a young family, they went on that journey with their eyes wide open, seeing every new thing that they'd never seen before. Don't you know, Mary was amazed at the things she saw in this journey to Egypt, and Joseph as well. They're a young couple looking for what God's going to do in their lives. And this was a great adventure to them, living in this foreign land, learning new things, maybe a new language, new culture, new people. It was exciting. And when they decided to go back to the land of Israel, for they never intended to stay in Egypt, when Herod died, they said, okay, it's time to go back to Israel. The angel has told us, and we need to go. They were going to go back to the center of learning and culture just outside of Jerusalem. The fields where David raised the sheep, the city of David, that's where they were going to go. 
But then they realized Archelaus reigned in Judea. So now what do we do? And they were warned again in a dream. And so instead of going to Judea, the province of Judea, where things were really happening, they went instead to the province of Galilee of the Gentiles, a kind of peripheral province with the reputation of Gentile influences in Greek and Roman thought and some of their synagogues. And they went to a little town, hometown, Nazareth. Okay, stop for a minute. Have you ever imagined yourself moving back to the block where you were born? Maybe even the house in which you were born. Have you ever imagined yourself going back? Can you experience for a moment the emotions of how that would feel to go back? Maybe for Joseph, it was a sigh of relief. Nobody knew he was a carpenter, a builder in Bethlehem or in Egypt. He had to build a business from the bottom up. But when he got to Nazareth, people knew his name. People knew his trade. There was security in Nazareth. It was predictable. It was routine. Yes, maybe it was boring, but it was a place he could care for his family and protect them and provide for them. I wonder what Mary thought going back to Nazareth. We're going to go back to the trails we've walked before, to the homes that are familiar to us. And some part of that felt good. But maybe she was the adventurer of the two. Maybe she struggled with going back to Nazareth, back to the little country village. When I have this child, this prodigy, Jesus, and he needs the best schools, he needs the best teachers and the best education that we can find for him. He needs to be in the center of learning and faith. I wonder what went on in her heart, her dreams for her son, the things she imagined would take place. I wonder if it wasn't a struggle for her to go back to the routine, the familiar, the little town where she grew up, back to Nazareth. Some of you went through your Egypt experience. You went to the foreign land. You lived in a strange place. You encountered strange cultures, strange customs. Maybe even now it feels that way to you. You're not in your homeland. You're in a different place. Some of you went through that era, and now you're in your Nazareth era. Okay? And every day feels like the last. And life's not as racy as and exciting as it once was. It's the routine that's got you now. And maybe you're wondering if God is at work in the routine and the regular, the familiar, and the predictable. Maybe you chave under the truth that you're in this place for this time. But I want to remind you, that just as God was with the Holy Family and the child Jesus when he was born and in his early days lived in Bethlehem, just like he went with them when they were refugees in the land of Egypt and cared for them in that place, when they get back to the little hometown, to the regular and predictable and maybe the boring Nazareth, God is there with them as well. 
And God is with you in that place where you are. Though it may feel routine, regular, and one day seems the same as the last, God uses this time in your life to grow you. This is the era when Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man in little Nazareth. So don't despise the routine and familiar. The place that God has planted you now, for he can do his mighty work in you and in your family in this familiar place you're in. There is predictability in Nazareth. There is identity in Nazareth. There is obscurity in Nazareth. Nazareth is not on the main trade route. It's not in the center of activities. Jesus disappears, you know. From age 12 to age 30, we don't hear a peep. We don't have a line, not a sentence. What was he doing all the time? He was in Nazareth, in a blanket of mystery, hidden away by God till the fullness of time. The scripture says it was in the fullness of time that God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, that's how Paul puts it. In the fullness of time, at the proper time, God sent his son. God's timing is impeccable. We worry about his timing. We worry about time in general. Some of us are afraid of time. We think about how time is marching by. We're not afraid of death, not afraid of dying. But time scares us because it seems to be getting away ebbing away. Sometimes we wonder what time it really is. Is it late in life or is it early? I'm grateful that we have a God who sees time from beginning to end and he knows the proper time, the opportune moment. There's a moment, you know. Timing is important. Somebody said timing is everything. I don't know if it's that, but I know it's important. I was standing in Vera Bradley. Yes, me, yesterday, surrounded like I was in a garden full of blossoms. And I was thinking to myself, looking around at all these wild and colorful designs, why did this take off? I never heard of Vera Bradley 30 years ago. But the blossoms and colors and wild designs are in, and so Vera Bradley is just jammed with people today. Somehow it was the proper time. I had a very wealthy businessman who told me once I was just at the right place at the right time. You know, timing is so important, and sometimes we chafe under the restraints that are ours. We are impatient with the timing of things. We want things to move faster than they do. And part of obedience to God is staying in sync through His Spirit with what He is doing in us. Not racing ahead, 
not dragging behind, but knowing in his providence he's watching over us with tender care. Jesus got invited to a wedding in Cana. That's what happens when you grow up in your hometown. People invite you to weddings and funerals and all the other functions. Cana was about 10 miles from Nazareth, but he went with his entourage and showed up and they ran out of wine and his mother said, you take care of it. And his response was, my time has not yet come. See, he hadn't been really revealed to Israel at this time. But he took care of it. And in God's time, at age 30, Jesus began a public ministry, his first miracle in Cana of Galilee, and then a whirlwind three and a half years in the public eye, and finally death on a cross. It was all in God's time. There is obscurity in Nazareth. When Philip says to Nathaniel, say, we found somebody. We think he may be the Christ. Nathaniel responds, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Nazareth? The people in Jesus' day didn't connect Nazareth with the Old Testament prophets or the coming of the Messiah. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? That's strange, they thought. But it was that obscurity which God used to keep the timing perfect for the life and ministry and death of his son. Maybe you feel hidden away. You've got so much potential. You've got your degrees. You're ready to go, and nobody's noticed yet. It's all right. You trust God in the time of obscurity, and God will use you in his time. It's a time to trust him. There's something else going on in Nazareth that I want you to know about. There is unbelief in Nazareth. Some people think that Nazareth gets its name from the word for branch in the Old Covenant. A shoot will come out of Jesse and a branch from his stump. Maybe so. Some people think that Nazareth gets its name from being on the brow of that hill and overlooking the plain. You know, I was stood there and seen that cliff. Jesus was given the scroll of Isaiah in the synagogue at Nazareth, his hometown, after he'd begun his ministry and had a reputation as a marvelous preacher and healer. He read the text about the Messiah, and he said to them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your hearing. And they all thought, well, that's Jesus, and looked at one another. And then he explained about unbelief, and they realized he was challenging their unbelief. They got angry at him. They thought he was making himself God, and he was guilty of the sin of blasphemy. And so, in his hometown, three years before, the Jews and the Romans hung him up on a cross. His hometown neighbors tried to kill him at the cliff and throw him down for the sin of blasphemy for which the Jews had him killed three years later. They wanted to do it first, his hometown people. See, when somebody said, well, Jesus, he could be the Messiah, they said, what? You mean Joseph's son? 
Well, they've known Joseph for all those years. You're not talking about Joseph's boy, are you? He can't be the Messiah. Have you lost your mind? Jesus, well, we know his brothers, James and Jude. We know his sisters. They're all with us. He can't be the Messiah. In fact, the Bible records that though Jesus did great things in other places when he came to Nazareth, he could do no mighty, not many mighty works. He healed a few sick people, Luke says, because of their unbelief. They were just too familiar with him. They were his neighbors and friends. They grew up with him. And though he was a stellar human being, and we know this, and yes, a child prodigy, as the one story from age 12 indicates, the amazement of the teachers in Jerusalem, still they had no clue that this was the promised one. They knew his mom. They knew his dad. He was too familiar to them. And it occurred to me as I read that that there might be somebody in this room who grew up with Jesus in Nazareth. He was a familiar name, wasn't he? People talked about Jesus when you were little and they read the stories and you heard the sermons and you knew about Jesus and you'd known about him all your life. I've known folks who grew up in Nazareth with Jesus. And when they got older and they realized there were other cities, other ways, other religions, they just took off on their tangent. Jesus was too familiar to them. Knowing him, how in the world could he possibly be the promised one, the Messiah, with all these other billions of people in the world and all these other folks with other religions? How is it possible? that I, in little Nazareth, actually knew the Savior of the world. And they took off on a tangent somewhere because familiarity breeds contempt. If you grew up knowing the name of Jesus and you took off on your tangent too, thinking there's no way a little town in Alabama could have actually discovered the Savior. I want to know something about you, okay? Did you just know about Jesus? Or did you know him? Did you grow up knowing about him without having a relationship with him? Were you familiar with the stories, but not with the one? See, you had the privilege, maybe early, of being introduced to the man who changed life on this planet so profoundly. We changed the way we measure time at his birth there's never been anybody like him in all the history of the human race and though you've maybe known his name all your long life through he is the one God sent to save the world he's not a discovery that we made on our own 
It's not that we found God. It's that in Christ, he found us. I want to fan the flame of faith in Christ in your heart. You know now that you are more profoundly broken inside than you ever imagined when you were a child. That the sin which we know we hold in common has polluted and perverted and pervaded our beings. And even in our unbelief, we long for a Savior who can fix this sickness and hopelessness and despair inside. But I want you to remember that not only are you discovering how profoundly you are broken, you must remember how amazingly God loves you. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the satisfaction for our sin. It is in Jesus of Nazareth that these two profound truths intersect. The sinfulness of men who cannot save themselves and the amazing love of God who insists on coming to rescue us. This is the story of Christmas. This is the story of Nazareth. This is the message the angels sang. A Savior has been born for you. And his name is Christ the Lord. Bow with me, please. If you're in your Nazareth journey, and we're just bowing our heads and praying, okay? And life has gotten routine and maybe a little boring to you, and you say, I'm in my Nazareth era. Would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up? You feel like you're stuck? Yes, God bless you. Any others? I want to pray for you. Just say, pray for me. I feel like I'm in Nazareth, little old Nazareth. Yes, God bless you. Lord, I pray for these who are in the routine of life. God, I pray that they will see in the sameness of their routine the presence and power of an almighty God who knows the end from the beginning. I pray for those who chave impatiently under the constraints of this time that, Lord, you will give them peace that they might take advantage of the opportunities that are now present in their life. I pray for that man or woman who found Jesus too familiar and so went off on a long, wide search for something else. Lord, that you might call them back by your Spirit to the roots from whence they came, knowing that Jesus is the one, the promised Messiah, Savior of the world. In his name we pray, amen.